Oh my gosh, I love Christmas. I don't know about you guys. I love everything about it. I've been listening to Christmas music for like a month now. I don't care how bad my day is or how cold it is. I just get in the car. And the moment I hear jingle bells, not just the song, but literally the sound of bells jingling, I'm just like, it's going to be a good day. I mean, bottom line, it's gonna, I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas presents. I love everything about Christmas. Unless you decorate your car like Rudolph, then you're a weirdo and we have an issue. But uh, <clears throat> just kidding. You get down with that if you want. But I remember lots of Christmases from our, you know, my childhood and even as with our kids, we got three kids, 14, 12, and eight. And as they're getting older, like sometimes the wonder is getting a little different, you know what I mean? But I remember one of the most, just Christmas is full of the most wonder and just majesty. There was a true Christmas miracle, if I put it like that. My wife and I had just gotten married. It was our very first Christmas. And uh, we've been married for 18 years now, praise God. But uh, thank you very much. I'm not sure how she does it. It's a wonder every day she deals with me, Okay. And early on, I had not realized, gentlemen, I hadn't realized yet in just the first year of marriage that I am always wrong and my wife is always right. I hadn't figured that out yet. Now, 18 years, I've got that figured out. And so what happened was my, de- my brother asked me if we could watch their dog. They were going out of town. I love dogs. Dogs, big, big dog fan. My wife, not so much. We were married, didn't have dogs. She never had a pet. We're keeping the dog overnight. Now, in the early wine house, you grew up that dogs sleep on the bed with you, nestled up. It's snuggle time with your dog. My wife grew up with no animals, so of course a dog is a beast, it's a wild animal, it needs to be in a cage overnight. So we got a big argument. I won the argument. Dog needed to sleep in our bed because that's what dogs do. Mistake number one. Now, my wife had a Barbie doll, not a Barbie doll, it was a, called Betsy doll. It was called Betsy. It was from 1976. She had had it for her entire life. In fact, as, as long as Julie had existed, Betsy had existed. And when we came back for a honeymoon, Julie didn't take Betsy, and her mom was amazed that Betsy didn't go on her honeymoon with us. That's how much Julie loved Betsy. So I go to bed that night having won the argument that the dog needs to sleep in the bed with us. Now, mind you, I don't even like this dog. It's just that I like dogs in general. I wake up at three in the morning and I hear a sound. It's the sound I didn't realize. It was the sound of my oncoming death is actually what it was. (laughs) But it was disguised as the sound of a dog chewing on something. And I said to myself, sweet Jesus, if you've ever loved me, do not let that be that stupid dog eating Betsy. But it was, yeah. I got down on my hands and knees in the dark, and I just started like doing this on the ground, just don't wake up, Julie, don't wake up. And I, I, I put my hand on something that was unmistakably Betsy's head, because she had been decapitated. She was in pieces. I grabbed all of Betsy's pieces, and I ran into our, our, our bathroom, and, and I turned the light on, and I was just, I have never, I, I'm not, this is not a pastoral story to make you laugh. I can honestly say this. I have never been more scared in my life than in that moment. Julie heard me and saw the light on it. She came in and she said, why are you awake? What's wrong? I will edit the rest of the story of that night. Let me just say, things got real. So I knew Christmas was around the corner and I had to figure out some way to make it a Christmas of wonder. What we needed here was a true Christmas miracle. What we needed was a resurrection. So I got online and I found doll makers from all over the nation. I found somebody who had a 1976 Betsy doll in mint condition. And I didn't care if I had to sell my blood or a left arm. I bought that doll, right? And I sent Betsy's remains to this doll maker and I said, I just need a Christmas of wonder. Do some magic. 
Sure enough, they put Betsy's head on that new doll. Now, Betsy's hair was still jacked. A couple like, yank, it's going to some teeth marks. But got Betsy back, put her in the box. Christmas morning, it was amazing, right? You know how when you got the gift, it's, it's got to be the last gift. So like Julie would grab it. Oh, no, no, you gotta open this one first, right? Got to the where it was the last one, and I just knew what was getting ready to happen. And she opens the gift, and boom, there is Betsy resurrected from the dead. And that was a Christmas of wonder, my friends. <laughs> Christmas of wonder. Man, I love it. You know what I mean? And Josh, last week did a great job kicking the series off and talking about the bigness of God and how awesome he is. And, and like, I love the, the definition of wonder, right? A feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And then I started reading and I was like, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Like, I like surprises that are like about some things that are beautiful, but I don't know about you, but when I read the words unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplicable, I don't necessarily say I could use a few of those in my life. How about you? In fact, I I did a little research this week. I started asking people, hey, tell me something you, what do you wonder about God? You know what I found this week when I I asked people, give me something you wonder about God. Here's what their answer was. Most of them, the biggest answer I got this week was this. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I really wonder about God much in a daily basis. Like, unless you're a theologian, I mean, some of you may sit around all the time and think about just, well, I wonder if God's like, you're probably thinking more this week about who you're starting in your fantasy football lineup than you have deep theological issues in the cosmos, right? But here's what I know about us. Even if we don't wonder about God much in everyday life, here's my guarantee for you and for me and for every human being. You know when we start wondering a lot about God? When things unexpected, unfamiliar, and inexplicable begin to happen in our life, we start wondering real quick, wait a second, God. What exactly are your intentions in my life? And I'm not sure about your character. You see, when God's ways start moving in ways that we would not choose, it's not long before we start to wonder about his character and his intentions in our life. We don't say it real often at church because it makes us sound like bad Christians, but we all feel it. And we all have a list. You see, we don't have a lot of room for wonder in our life. Let's be honest. I'd like life the way I expect life to work. Thank you very much. I'd like to be in charge of my life, in control of my life, and it all to work out exactly as I have planned out. Thank you very much, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God. Until you start to, in your ways, do things in and around my life that bring a lot of wonder of your intentions and your character. Don't feel bad. We're in good company. Let's jump into the Christmas story. Because I read through Matthew 1 last week when Josh was taking us through all the genealogies and it was awesome. It was like 14 generations, 14 generations, and God's amazing and he's huge and he's big. He's inexplicable. He can do all the amazing things, which is all true. And then I got to the real people in the real story. 
And I love the Christmas story and I love to make it real because what we can do is make it crazy and awesome and it's magical. No, no, these were real people. They weren't small thing nativity people on your, on your mantle, okay? This is Mary and Joseph. Mary, real bro, just like you. Mary, real girl, just like you. Dreams, aspirations, everything, probably late in their teens, living their life. Let's jump into the real story when God starts screwing up their plan and wonder shows up. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. So Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. Talk about unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplicable Here's Joseph, excited. I met this girl named Mary. She's awesome. We're engaged. We're going to get married. Totally trying to honor God, do the right thing. Praise Jesus. You wouldn't have said that, but you know what I'm saying? We're going to do it right. Now I'm going to be together until we get married. I can't wait. It's going to be, I got all these dreams. I'm going to be a carpenter like my dad was a carpenter. We're going to have this house. I'm going to build it. It's going to be phenomenal. She's so awesome. God is great. Praise hallelujah. And then they had to sit down on a Saturday afternoon and Mary's like, hey, Joseph, can we talk for a second? (laughs) Yeah, honey, what's going on? Are we, are we going to go, are we going to like register at like Bed Bath in Bethlehem or something, right? Get some good stuff. I mean, we can register, but so I had a dream. I'm pregnant. <laughs> and like Joseph didn't have to go like on the Jerry Springer of that day and find out like, is it his? Like he knew, right? This baby is not mine and this is not a good thing. And I can't explain it to people because this is unexpected and it's unfamiliar and it's inexplicable. And I don't understand that it's God's baby. And even if I did, that makes no sense. and It's never happened for. In fact, it's basically impossible. And you think there weren't some moments, because here's the thing, we, we, we'll get some more of the story, but we don't, I don't know how long it was between when Joseph found that out and then he made some different decisions, we're going to get into it in a minute and moved along with God's stuff. But how long did he sit in that space and wonder himself, God, what are you doing to my life? This isn't the way I want it. You think I want to be made fun of, God, by all my buddies? explain this to my parents? And just so you know, it wasn't like Joseph had signed up for like raisegodson.com or something, right? He didn't know that was happening. He didn't know the end of the story. He just knew he was in a place in life and the ways of God around his life caused him to wonder about the intentions and the character of God. Just like you. So if it could happen in God's own story, I think you're safe to have it happen in yours. We have a decision to make, just like Joseph did, every single day of our life. Every single time that the ways of God start to make us wonder, we have this decision, friend. Will I trust and obey the word of God Or will I trust my own emotions and my own wisdom and stray from God? In my opinion, that is what walking in the wonder of a relationship with the living God breaks down to. That right there. You either trust and obey the word of God 
or you trust your own emotions and wisdom and you stray from him. That's how it works. And every single day you make a decision. Let's see how it works out for Joseph. While he was still trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. And God's angel spoke in the dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant and she will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. This would bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son and they will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew, for God is with us. Now, God came to Joseph in 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 an angel and gave him a word. He got the word of God in that moment. But there was still a lot of wonder in that one, wasn't there? It didn't make any sense. Let's be honest. Oh, okay. So what God has said is that she is going to have a baby. It's okay. She didn't cheat on me. This is from the Holy Spirit. That still doesn't make sense. Tons of wonder in it. Unexpected, inexplicable, unfamiliar. But I have a choice to make. Something I don't totally understand that God is in here. I have to trust God and make a decision of whether I will obey the word of God I've just gotten or trust my own emotions and wisdom and stray. Let's see what Joseph does. Then Joseph woke up. And he did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. And he named the baby Jesus. When everything in Joseph, his wisdom, his knowledge, his, the way life was supposed to, when it all said this is wrong, by faith he said, I will trust the word I have gotten from God and obey and God showed him felt faithful again. Now, we have the same option, the same reality every single day of our life. But here's what I'm going to probably bet you. My bet is an angel's not going to show up in your home this Christmas season and tell you what to do in life. If it does, get, it, get your phone ready and get that sucker on film, all right? Because it's going to go viral and we could write a book together, make a lot of money, all right? Gabriel showed up at my place. It would be great. Everybody would buy it, okay? My guess is an angel's not showing up at your house this Christmas. It could, but it's probably not going to. Here's why. Because the Christmas story is, is the story of the living word of God. Jesus Christ is referred to as the word of God. He came to earth. This is the story we're reading. He lived and he taught and he healed and he lived a perfect life. And then he died and came back from the dead. He came back from the dead, then he went back into heaven. He said, you know what? I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit is going to inspire men to write the written word of God, which we have as the Bible. Then the Holy Spirit is going to actually make the word of God, the written word of God, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword that will actually guide and direct our life. And so now, instead of us having to have an angel show up and say, this is what you should do, every single day we have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to illuminate the written word of God to teach us about God's heart, about God's ways, and about God's faithfulness. So see, the gift we have in the Bible, it's not like, well, I should probably read because I feel guilty when I don't. And it's not like I should probably read a little bit so I get some inspiration for the day, right? No, 
You need to read the word of God to know God's faithfulness and what he has said and and, and how he deals with people and how he's faithful and how he's true and the principles that you can stand on when your emotions and your wisdom say this is not good. You trust what you know that is revealed about God and you stand on it and you believe it and God shows himself faithful. Here's what I want to say, friend. If you don't know the written word of God very well, you are going to find it very difficult to walk in the wonder of God. See, Darren, I don't like to read very much, okay? Then you might not live with much faith. Because you can listen to the Bible. I do. I listen to the Bible now more than I read the Bible. But I'm constantly in the word of God because here's what I know about my life. I'm constantly in places where God's ways around my life are starting to make me wonder about his character and his intentions. And here's what I need. I need a constant source of what is true about God that I can believe above my wisdom and my emotions. And I've got a list. How about you? Like the time that that, that I got a phone call and they said, hey, mom's got breast cancer. Or the time just a couple of years ago when my parents came over and said, hey, can we have a conversation? It's probably not, the kids probably shouldn't be around. And my dad was like, hey, I just found out today I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. When God's ways start to make me wonder about his intentions and character. Or how about the time for us when we were so excited about having our second kid and we went to the doctor for that next checkup and they said, your baby no longer has a heartbeat. Or that time we found out that our little, our little son had food allergies and he couldn't eat regular food for years and years and years. And I start wondering about the ways of God around me and his intentions and character. About all loving, all knowing, all powerful, and this is the way I'm going to deal with this connection with God? And I know you have a list. Because it doesn't take long to live on this earth until you have a list of the ways that God has made you wonder about his character. What I've found in my life is that if I will just keep taking the next step of trust and the next step of trust. Because God's word, it just illuminates that that next step of that path in my life. What I've found in in over 30 years of following Jesus is that, that if I just keep taking that next step of obedience, that God shows himself faithful again and again and again. Let me give you a couple of principles from God's word that you can try to memorize. And, and, and when you get in that moment of wonder, maybe you can come back and say, I know these things are true because God's words say they're true. There's a ton more. I'm just going to give you three real quick. These are three, three things that I say every Sunday morning on Radio Theology on 99.5 WZPO. You should have listened on your way to church from 7 to 10. It's the best thing you could do for your life and marriage, your finances. Shameless plug. <clears throat> Probably should follow us on Facebook as well. Um, 
I say these three things every Sunday morning. I say this. God is for you, not against you. God is near you, not far away. And God has created you on purpose and for a purpose. I say those things over and over on the radio because I want thousands of people driving around Indianapolis to start to hear that and to start to memorize that. So when, when, when the ways of God and the things and the wonder in their life start to come around, they can at least come back to these things I know is true. Right now, I know that God is for me. He's not against me. I believe it. I don't feel it, but I'm going to trust in it. God is near me, not far away from me. And he has created me on purpose and for a purpose. I didn't make these up because they sound good on the radio. They come from from the word of God. You see, you take principles and things that God has said is true and you stand on them and obey them and he shows himself faithful. God is for me, not against me. Tons of scriptures. Here's just a couple. Here's a great one. How about this? When the, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Romans 8, 31. God is for you. And it doesn't take long to live in life and things go haywire in your life to start thinking, you know what? I knew it. I knew God that he paid too much attention in my life in college and all the bad stuff I did or my first marriage or this thing or whatever it is. He's not for me. He's not for me. He's mad at me. Now, see, those are your emotions and that's your wisdom. But God's word says that God is for you. What about near me? God is near me. It doesn't take long, does it, to live this life, to start feeling like I am alone in this struggle. No one else understands it like this. God is not near. He's so far away. I'm by myself in the struggle of my marriage, my finances, my kids, whatever it is, I feel so alone. That's what my emotions and wisdom say. What does God's word say? God's word says this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Them and this is Old Testament enemies of, of the Israelites. Apply it to your life, right? Is do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Them is your fears and your doubts and your struggles and the enemies coming against your life. Do not be terrified of them. Why? Because the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So when I feel alone and everything feels like it's crushing into me, I can stand up and I can say, no, no, God is for me and he is near me in this moment. And I will obey. Here's another scripture that says that I love it. Push the wall I called to God. This is Psalms 118, 5 through 8. Push to the wall I called to God from the wide open spaces he answered. God's now at my side and I'm not afraid. Who would dare lay a hand on me? Ooh, it's good. What about this one? God has created me on purpose and for a purpose. Now listen, there are so many scriptures that speak to this. It's not even funny. I'll just give you a couple. How about Ephesians 2.10? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. Right? You are the handiwork, the craftsmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. That means there are good things waiting for you in your future. So when you begin to wonder about the worth of your life, when the struggles and the pain in the Christmas season is a great time of joy and wonderful, but for some of us, it's a time of depression and it's a time of struggle. And if you begin to feel like you're not worth people's love. You're not worth God's love. You're not worth good things in your life. You don't have purpose. You don't have meaning. And maybe those fears and your emotion begin to tell you, you know what? You'd be better off if you just killed yourself. You can come back to the word of God and you can say, oh, no, 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 no. 
God made me on purpose and for a purpose. I am the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. And he has good works prepared in advance for me to do. So I will trust that. And I will wake up tomorrow. And I will walk into the next day of purpose in my life. And guess what? Step by step, God will show himself faithful. We have to apply this to our life. Because if we're going to walk with God, we're going to walk in the wonder. See, the righteous live by faith. And so God's going to take you to places that only people who walk in faith and wonder can go. And that's the continuation of the Christmas story because it gets cool for a minute, right? Sort of. Like Joseph obeys and then, you know, the pregnancy comes to full term and then they get to take a road trip on a camel or donkey at nine months pregnant. I'm sure Mary was stoked about that one, right? Then like, oh yeah, we're still following God. It's going to be God's baby. So I'm guessing he's going to put us up pretty nice in Bethlehem. Oh, no rooms, right? No rooms for God's baby. I mean, just think about it if you're Joseph. Like as you're walking, let's say it was raining and you're already sore from the journey. Your wife's mad at you because she's like, really, you didn't make reservations? Whatever, okay? And then you're walking through and you're talking to God like, God, are you serious? Really, like all of this. And I've got, I got your son I'm trying to raise. You couldn't get a room for your kid, God? Really? What is happening? But it gets kind of cool. The baby comes. The animals are there. Weird, but okay, right? And then, and then some people show up. Then they bring presents. Everybody loves presents. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Awesome, I suppose. Except ladies, I don't know how many of you shortly after giving birth would want a bunch of randos showing up at the hospital, right? We don't know you. We kind of traveled from afar, but we bought gifts. You'd be like, okay, how about you give me the gift of privacy and get out of the room? How about that, all right? But after the scholars were gone, Remember, you got to walk in the wonder with God. After the scholars were gone, God's angel showed up again. I'm sure Joseph was stoked out of his mind when another angel showed up to give him a word from the Lord. And he commands him, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until further notice because Herod is on the hunt for this child and wants to kill him. Really? Really, God? Tell me you wouldn't think at this point that God might be the most irresponsible father you've ever known of. God, you sent your son to earth. You're the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all the all the alls of God. You sent your very son, and, and you're going to let people chase after him and kill him? That's the plan? And then I got to go to Egypt? I'm not even at home now. We're going to travel there and stay somewhere, walk in the wonder to Egypt because people want to kill God's baby? He's your son. And here's the deal. Somebody in here, you started following Jesus this year and you thought it was all going to get fixed. Like you're going to have Jesus show up and it was going to be like, perfect, man. Gave my life to Jesus. He's here. Or maybe... Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been following Jesus for like 30 years. And you thought that by now you would be fixed. 
By now you would be cured. By now you wouldn't have the struggle. By now you wouldn't doubt. And you still are. And the tough thing to figure out is like, I got Jesus now. Like Jesus is in my life. I sing the songs. I cry. I give. I come to Mercy Road. Like Jesus is here. And still all these ways are happening around my life. And I find myself all the time wondering, what are your intentions? Are you still good? At least you're in good character, good company. Because when Jesus was here on earth and Joseph and Mary literally have him in their life, they had to have the same emotions. But Joseph obeyed and he got up and he took his child and the mother under cover of darkness. They were out of town and while on their way by daylight, they lived in Egypt until Herod's death. This Egyptian exile fulfilled what Hosea had preached I called my son out of Egypt. See, what Joseph didn't know and what you don't know is that God is actually dedicated to a purpose and a plan above your life. You see, Joseph had to go there because God was fulfilling ancient, ancient, ancient prophecies with that process. And in fact, Joseph had found himself in a journey that was going to allow him to steward obedience to see the salvation of the world come to pass. Now, that's already been done, so you don't get that calling, but guess what, okay? You have no idea the ramifications on the backside of your next step of obedience. What does it mean for your children, your children's children? What does it mean for your marriage? What does it mean for your community or your school or your job? Because God is at work in your life because guess what? He created you on purpose and for a purpose, and guess what? He's near you, not far away, and guess what? He's for you, not against you. And he's just waiting to show up and prove himself faithful again. So every day you have a choice. Will I trust my emotions and my wisdom? Or will I, as it says in Proverbs chapter 3, will I trust God from the bottom of my heart? Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. Trust and obey. As the band comes, we wrap up. Eric and I were trying to figure out a song to end today and we picked one and we're praying about it. And then we're like, no, that's not it. And then Eric said this song. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Because <clears throat> I can remember multiple moments here in this song. One of them, I was in Atlanta at a conference and I was standing next to a buddy of mine who was going through a divorce and he was broken and really hurting. And he had done a lot of things God's way. And he was wondering, where the heck is God at in my life right now? And I can remember standing there with him as his song played and both of us just their hands raised and tears streaming down our faces and just singing about God's faithfulness. We didn't know how the whole thing was gonna work out, but we just knew that if we stood on God's word, we walked with him, he would show himself faithful. And guess what? In his life, he showed himself faithful. And maybe here this morning and you're like, you know what, Darren, that sounds good, but I don't have anything left to trust God. In fact, I'm kind of new to this game and I don't have a lot of like residual stuff to know that he'll do it again. Here, maybe this. I'd love to let you borrow some of my faith this morning. 
because I've not loved every way that my life's worked out, but I can promise you this, since the moment I started following Jesus, even when I don't get it, even when the way gets weird, he has never failed me yet. Sometimes I only know that this next step and this next step, but don't stop walking because God is for you and he's near you and he has created you on purpose and for a purpose. And if you stay faithful, he will show himself faithful again. Stand with me, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this moment. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, that you are the living word of God, that you have given us the written word of God. We thank you, Jesus, that as we walk in you and stay faithful to you, you will show yourself faithful again and again and again. So God, increase our faith, strengthen our obedience as we sing of your faithfulness again and again and again.